0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. It's Friday night and it's time to party or listen to inside sports and go to bed early. Whatever floats your boat, really. Flames and Maple Leafs going at it tonight. couple minutes into the second period. Calgary is up 3-2 flames with three goals on only seven shots they scored twice in the first seven and a half minutes to get out to a two 0 lead canadians lead the canucks one nothing early in the second period there Corey perry has his sixth of the year rangers up one nothing on the caps five minutes into the second period panarin has the only goal of the game later on blues and sharks and the golden knights will play the kings can also tell you that The NHL has nine players listed in its COVID-19 protocol. That's the most they've had since February 24th. Now the Bruins, four players on the list, which resulted in the league postponing their next two games. That includes Edmonton native Jake DeBrusque, uh who uh well uh, he actually entered the uh, protocol yesterday so additional bruins players coming on there today uh vegas forward william carlson also added to the COVID protocol list so that's the lowdown there oilers back at it tomorrow against the winnipeg jets it'll be an eight o'clock puck drop at rogers place our coverage will commence with the face-off show at 6 30 thanks a lot for tuning in tonight you can get in touch On the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. You can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And if you want to send me a good old-fashioned email, inside sports at 630chad.com. I was uh, talking to my parents earlier today and uh, mentioning the game coming up between the Flames and the Maple Leafs. Now, these are actually uh, separate conversations. They were not in the room at the same time. And uh, my dad says, is there any way they can both lose? Flames taking on the Maple Leafs. So is that the camp you're in? Or my mom said, and now this was a conundrum for my mom, because uh, a long-standing Northern Albertan, my mom was uh, born, uh, grew up just outside of Lamont. Big shout out, big shout out, uh, shout out, by the way, tonight to everybody listening in the Lamont, Chipman, Uh, even Andrew I'll put Andrew in that if you're out in that area big shout out to you tonight you know if you're driving through Elk Island Park hope the elk are being kind to you so uh, you know northeast of Edmonton just sending you a lot of love tonight Uh, but my my mom had to think about this because she she is uh, she is generally an ABC person anybody but Calgary does not like the Stampeders does not like the Flames uh, finds this edition of the Flames particularly unpleasant. I'm not going to tell you some of the things she said about them, but it's it's actually quite vicious for a for you know for a, for a woman of of her age and what you would expect her temperament to be. She's actually quite intense. So my mom had to think about this, and she decided that she wants the Flames to win, so the Oilers have a better chance to get first place. They are tied with Toronto when it comes to points, but obviously Toronto has three games in hand, one of which is being played tonight. So my mom, after much deliberation, has decided that she wants Calgary to take this one tonight because she wants the, the Oilers uh, to possibly get first. Not easy for my mother, not easy for my mother who has trouble supporting any Calgary sports team, though. I have found out, and I, I don't know, I don't know how this particular player got the bullseye from my mother, but she has decided that of all the Toronto Maple Leafs, she hates Zach Hyman. That like that's the I mean, she doesn't really like any of them. But, okay, so they got, and Toronto just scored, by the way, the tie at 3-3. I don't think it was Hyman. But they got Matthews, they got Marner, they got Riley, you know, they got, but no, it's, uh, it's Zach Hyman is public enemy number one on, on Toronto for my month. That'll be our off-topic topic tonight. You can let me know which player who's not really a star you just can't stand because it's usually the stars or the agitators that draw the ire of opposing fans. It's not usually a, a guy on the third line, but that's uh, that's that's it for my mom. She wants to crush Zach Hyman. Anyway, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope your weekend's off to a great start. Uh, Tracy writing in saying that uh, she agrees with my mom. Well, there you go. Maybe uh, maybe you and my mom can bond over a Zoom call or something like that. Uh, the Big L says, uh, Reed, I would like to think i'm at an inside sports party i got my light beer and i'm surrounded by all my friends so sad <laughs> well thank you big l that'll be maybe a new tagline this saddest show on 6:30, 30 chad according to the big l is inside sports colton says i think you should have your mother on inside sports read i hate zach hyman too oh okay there you go wow a lot of i'm i'm finding my mom perhaps represents the voice of the common fan that's very interesting somebody else writing in josh levo with calgary drives me crazy for no reason could be the awkward spelling of his last name i don't know <laughs> Richard says, did you see Toby Reader's goal the other day? Major Stipe, I didn't know he could do that, LOL. Well, yes, we, we're still revisiting Toby Reader's goal a season from a couple of years ago. You're not going to forget that one, are you? Okay. Uh, Farmer Kevin says, I graduated from the world-renowned Lamont High School. And attended there for 12 long years. Wait, did you go to high school for 12 years, Farmer Kevin, or school in Lamont? Because if you went to high school for 12 years, well, anyway, uh, he says, I was the class of 82. I don't suppose you would share your mom's uh, maiden name, would you? Well, I, I will share my mom's maiden name because I've talked about it before um my mom's uh, now farmer kevin I, 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 I mean i've referred to how the the approximate age of my parents and that i was born in 1974 so farmer kevin obviously they are more seasoned individuals than you uh my, my mom's maiden name is chomlak and i'm not going to say it properly but in Ukrainian, humlock i'm not quite saying it properly with the accent and the that phlegmy noise at the beginning but some of you of a certain vintage may remember a radio personality on cfcw who hosted the ukrainian Hour. By the name of Dan Chomlack. That's my mom's brother and my uncle who passed away in, in 2007. Uh, left us far too soon. But uh, that that name might ring a bell for you. I think it would have been, I want to say late 70s, that uh, my uncle Dan, maybe into the early 80s, that my uncle Dan was doing the Ukrainian Hour on CFCW. So that's my mom's, uh, my mom's maiden name. So there you go. Thanks for listening in the Lamont area. Dave Leppard says, Hey, read the player. I dis, uh, like most is (laughs) now Dave, you're lucky. I can, I know your code. This, this is the name that Dave Leppard wrote M O N J A P A W N Y. That of course is (laughs) Magi Dave pulling out the phonetic spelling sort of, uh, you know, he apologized for the, for the spelling. Well, Majupani's done well against the Oilers. Actually, that third line with Lucic and Backlund—they've probably been a bench, uh, the best against the Oilers this season. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can get in touch. Oh, we're having fun on a Friday. The Oilers have won a couple of games. They're fighting for first in the division. Why not smile about it? Why not uh, have a good time with how the team is doing? Connor McDavid. Uh, though the Oilers did not practice today, so we don't have any new uh, new audio or anything like that to go over. But I I do want to play this clip. That Connor McDavid said last night during his post game. First and foremost, Nuge uh, just does just about everything out there. Um, you know, kills penalties, plays on the power play, a big part of the power play. Um, you know, and he's uh,
1: you know a great five-on-five player, and you know both uh, both those both those goals he has a, a huge impact on. And if he's not there, they they, they don't go in.
0: So um, you know, obviously, a great player and uh, fun to play with. Now, if you're interpreting that like I am, I think that you can take a pretty educated guess that Connor McDavid likes Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And I think many of you like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and many of you would be upset if he wasn't an oiler at the start of next season such as if he left through free agency Ryan Rashog reported earlier this week that contract talks have resumed after a long hiatus between the Nugent Hopkins camp and Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers and I know some of you think Nuge isn't going to be worth whatever he signs for that's a debate we can have but Connor McDavid was pretty complimentary there. Now the question was asked by Terry Jones, it was kind of about Nugent Hopkins impacting those goals. And McDavid, who's not always overly talkative, kind of expounded a little bit, at least for him, on Nugent's impact on the team. You know, we know that Dreisaitl generally gets Yamamoto. And for a while, Dreisaitl had the Nugent as well. And that ended in the playoffs in the summer. And that if... Like David had his choice of playing with somebody and he couldn't get dry sidle, He'd probably take Nugent Hopkins. So if the captain and your star player and the top offensive threat in the league comes out publicly and basically says what many of you say, I love the Nuge. Do you really think Ken Holland can let that player walk without exploring every possible opportunity available to make him stay that's how i look at that oh! so it's 3-3 calgary and toronto halfway through the second period we will keep you updated on that one now i am uh, Reluctant to say the Oilers are tied for first place, even though in points they are, but I've been using points percentage throughout most of the season. Toronto's still in control there with a 6.67 points percentage, then Winnipeg at 6.33, Edmonton's at 6.06. Montreal is at 586. That's the top four. So it's uh, it's relatively tight right now. Edmonton has played the most games out of everybody. It, this is an incredibly busy month for the Oilers. They play 17 times in March, and then they only play 13 games in April, and they have a couple of gaps in there where they're gonna be idle and some teams, you know, might be able to make up some ground on them simply because the Oilers aren't playing. So they got to bank as many points as they can. They now sit with a 20 and 13 record. And a big story for the Oilers has been goaltending. Look, it was a question mark coming into the season. It's been pretty good most of the year and Miko Koskinen was really sharp last night. He was solid, just really solid, you know, and that's, that's what you're asking for. A Tough tough turnaround, uh, you know, you're asking
1: a lot from your goaltender, you know, you're, you know your team is, you're hoping it's going to be a low event game because, you know, the t- both teams are tired, but that being said, there's going to be some fatigue come into the game and some, probably some plays coming against them. You're going to need some stops from your goaltender, and that's what he did tonight. He gave us a chance to win. Mark goes in behind the net. Scoreless here between the Oilers and the Jets. Long pass, a breakaway for
0: Lewis. He'll come in. He'll make a move. Shoot it on the end. That's saved by Koskinen. As Lewis tried to go five hole, he slipped in behind the D. Jones had nowhere to go with it. Puck gets back into the corner. It does come out. Here's Ehlers in front of the net. Bad angle shot. Oh, somehow that stayed out. Kyle Connor, that may have gone off a of Goskin and stick, and the puck cleared out. That's amazing. The that Kyle Connor didn't score. I think we have learned how to play when we when we have the lead. You know we didn't do anything stupid. Like we didn't take any stupid risk there. And, you know, we just put the box deep and uh, keep the, keep the chances like really, really short. And we have the energy for 60 minutes there. All right. That's Miko Koskinen who got the victory last night and I got to give him credit. And look, there are times I've been critical of Koskinen. Well, maybe most of the time to be fair. And look, here's how I see Koskinen. I think he's a good backup goalie. And now that he is the backup goalie, He's playing quite well and you can you can find a very obvious delineation in, in Koskinen's performance. Before Mike Smith came back from injury, you know Koskinen played almost every game, Skinner spelled him off once. Before Smith came back from injury, Koskinen was 5 and 7. He had an 889 save percentage and he had a 3.55 goals against average. Now since Smith came back, and that's been almost six weeks now. He he plays way less. He has seven decisions. He has four wins and three losses. But get this. Koskinen's save percentage since Smith returned is 932. It was 889 before Smith. It's 932 after Smith, and his goals against average is 2.2. He's 1.15 goals against per game better. Ever since Mike Smith came back, he's playing every third or fourth game. This is not a split situation. This is not one and one A like we thought it might be. This is Smith is number one and Koskinen is now the number two. And now that he's playing about as often as a number two does, he's looking like a very good backup goalie. And I know he's still let in some stinkers along the way. And I know he makes some people nervous, Me included, but he battles, and more often than not, he's allowing two goals or less. He lost the game last Saturday in Vancouver. Didn't think he was a problem. You know, he only allowed two. Last night, low-event game. You got to keep your team in it. He only allows one. McDavid does his thing. They win 2-1. So I got to hand it to Koskinen. Now that he's being put in a position to succeed, he's succeeding. Vic says, Koskinen and Smith need each other like broccoli and cheese sauce. Delicious. That is from Vic. Uh, Which is which? That's my question for Vic. Yeah, I, I, I I don't know, Vic. I don't know which one you think is the broccoli and which one is the cheese sauce. Because Smith definitely has a more saucy personality. uh, Vic was a guest on the show the other night. Now he's he's continued to add a lot of flavor to it. That's pretty good. I like that. They're going to be back at it tomorrow night at Rogers Place. It's an 8 o'clock face-off show. The game will start at 6.30. Then the Oilers will be on the road for their longest road trip of the year. They're going to play Montreal thrice and then Toronto twice. Those will be the final two meetings of the season against against the Maple Leafs. So if the Oilers are going to be able to... uh, well, what like how, I'm, I'm curious how concerned people are about finishing in first place. It's more realistic now than after they got swept by the Leafs. It's still going to be difficult, like I said, because Toronto and Winnipeg have played fewer games than the Oilers. But if you can win the head-to-head matchups, you're going to bank the points. Uh, they, they won't be able to win the season series with Toronto already. They, they're up 3-2 in games against Winnipeg. And, and I think that factors into the Calgary-Toronto matchup tonight. Besides the fact that a lot of you might dislike both teams, what's the priority Toronto losing. So it's more realistic that Edmonton could finish first or a team like Calgary losing. That's trying to play catch up in the playoff racing and just keeping them further behind. Like, are you worried about just get into the top four, just get into the top four, be in the playoffs and go from there. Or are you worried about the highest possible seeding, maybe even number one going into the postseason? Yeah. Uh. David and Andrea say, can you give a synopsis of how the Northern Division will fit in with the rest of the league once the playoffs are going? Are the Canadian teams going to get wiped out? Well, there's going to be a Canadian team in the Final Four. We know that. And by that point, so much is going to happen that it's it's difficult for me to right now to say that the winner of the Canadian Division won't be favored I don't know who they're going to play there's no conferences this year they're just going to rank the four division winners one through four based on regular season points and go from there so I think if you compare right now some of the teams in the Canadian division to you know say Vegas or Tampa Bay teams like that you wouldn't favor them but I don't know if those teams are going to be in the final four either Edmonton Oil Kings in action tonight. They're 4-0 on the season game at the downtown community arena against the Red Deer Rebels. They are then in Red Deer tomorrow. We'll host the Red Deer Rebels again on Sunday. Then next weekend, the Oil Kings have a triple header against the Calgary Hitmen. The Calgary Flames now lead the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-3 with two minutes left in the second period. Mark Giordano with a power play goal to restore Calgary's lead in that game. There was also a fight. Matthew Kachuk went up against Justin Hall. Canucks lead the Canadians 2-1 with five minutes left in the second period. Perry in the first period for Montreal. Gaudet and Hoaglander scoring for the Canucks. After two, the Rangers lead the Capitals one zip. Panarin's eighth came on the power play. Only goal in that game in about half an hour. It'll be the Blues against the Sharks. And at 8 o'clock Mountain Time tonight, the 26-1 Golden Knights take on the LA Kings, who are doing okay this season under Todd McClellan. They come in with a record of 12, 10, and 6. nine six zero zero six three 780 63 is the Certainty Hotline. It's also how you can text the show. Darcy says: in my opinion, you always want to finish first, which means he would be pulling for Calgary tonight. And Richard says the priority is Toronto losing. So the Oilers can finish first and play Montreal in the first round. If the Oilers maintain their pace, Calgary will not catch up. I'm not too worried about that. That is from Richard had the uh, clip there from Connor McDavid talking about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, very complimentary. And we got an anonymous texture writing in. He says, when does Connor ever talk bad about any teammate in regards to the Nuge clip? Well, that's fair uh that's fair I mean obviously teammates aren't in the habit of uh going publicly and saying negative things I just think the the tone of the the clip was important I think the wording of the clip was important and I most of all I think the timing of the clip was important Connor McDavid is not a stupid human being he knows what is going on with Nugent Hopkins uh that they talk to each other I'm sure that he knows that negotiations have resumed between the two sides And I'm sure he, uh, at least on some level, understands that things he uh, says publicly might help uh, perhaps smooth the rails a little bit as the contract negotiations go on. That's how I look at it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers and Jets tomorrow, 6.30 face-off show on 6.30. Chet, games at 8. And if you're in the Winnipeg listening area, you can get the game on CJOB and the host of those shows is kelly moore who joins us now kelly welcome back to the show how are you doing
1: well i'll tell you what if you'd let the winnipeg jets win once in a while (laughs) i'll tell you what they'll read like watching that game last night uh i was i was i was not surprised how the game played out because these two teams have been playing a lot they'd played the night before you can only ask so much of athletes but the what still was there and what will I think always be there, even though some of these games won't be an artistic success. but I'll tell you that you, you could not you could not criticize either one of those teams for the amount of effort that they put in to try to win that game.
0: Well, and I think that they both took the mature approach, the experienced approach, whatever you want to call it, and that they realized they they've both been playing a ton of games. It, it might not be the night to, to run and gun. I mean, an incredibly, to use the cliche that gets thrown around now, an incredibly low event first period. And I think both teams have wanted it that way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about that on our pregame show as well, Reed, that uh, teams with experience are going to play that period exactly the way uh, that it uh, it did play out. And and that is, you know, take the most simple route, do the most basic and fundamental things, and if you spot a crack in the armor, go for it. If not, then just remain patient. And, and really, the difference in the hockey game was – the Edmonton Oilers have the best player in the world and he made two world class plays, uh, to, uh, you know, just to, to score those goals. There's nothing Laurent Brossois could have done. Uh, you know, the puck kind of hopped up on the boards on Morrissey on the first goal. And then Derek Forbert pinched and realized, uh-oh, it's 97, and and so those two mistakes, whether they were mental, physical, or portions of both, and there are very few players in this league that can take advantage like Connor McDavid did.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting matchup between these two teams because five games, they, they've all been close one was decided literally at the final horn, <laughs> you, know, no. you know, so, and uh, they've had a couple high scoring games. They've had a couple games where they, where they kept it down a little bit, but the, the jets to me are, are fun to watch because they are relatively deep up front. And they, I mean, they might have the best fourth line in Canada. Maybe the Leafs got, uh, you know, the best third line, though I think the jets would be in that conversation too, but one through 12. I mean, do you think the jets are, Uh, Tops in the division up front.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you said division, Reid, because I don't know about you, uh, but I have only seen a smattering of games from the other three divisions. I am just so locked on uh, to the North Division this year uh, that, uh, you know, it, so I'm glad you used that, that uh, the best in the division, because you'd be kind of talking through your, or at least I would be talking through my head if I said they were the best in the league. Uh, what, I, what I will say is this, uh, uh, you know, it could, because... It it is rather cyclical, but right now that fourth line for Winnipeg is playing as well as they have all season long. They've uh, they've earned the complete trust and faith of the coaching staff to put them out there against anybody, and you saw it. You know, Tipper did a great job of uh, you know kind of getting those half and half shifts last night, where he was able to get the McDavid line out there uh, when Winnipeg either had their fourth line or their third defense pairing. And the third defense pairing held up okay too. Uh, you know, it wasn't like that they uh, were completely overwhelmed by Edmonton's number one line when that matchup was in place. But that fourth line we've called them the Dirty Thirties, Reid, because all three guys are well into their thirties. Uh, but they're the kind of guys where they understand thirty-five to forty-second shifts. They uh, there's there's not even a hint of disappointment or astonishment when they earn an offensive zone face-off and they immediately come back to the bench. They, they've they been around the game long enough. They all know, okay, we've done our job. Now the first or second line is going to come out there to take that offensive zone face-off and, and see what they can do. And, uh, uh, you know, they haven't been hemmed in their own zone too many times. I was just going back over all the sheets. Uh, there have been a handful of games where they've been minus on the night. One of them was that 7-1 blowout loss to Montreal when every single skater on the Jets uh, uh, was a minus uh, but uh, more nights than not they do their job more nights than not nate thompson wins over 50 percent of his face-offs and really can you ask that much more of a fourth line
0: yeah kelly moore from CGOB joining us tonight on inside sports as we talk about the jets and the oilers as you know rob brown is on with me after every game he likes the jets a lot he often says that that he thinks if they you know could add a, a add a defenseman that that might actually make them the best team in the country um what, what and i know we're not quite at the trade deadline but i feel with the the quarantine and travel stuff we're talking about it you know a little sooner than we, than we might like what, would the jets they and they already made a big trade this season already with with Duval, would they try to go out there and snatch a defenseman or what do you think shovel dayoff's approach is here
1: I don't think there's any doubt about that, Reid. I think they see that they have a hockey club this year. I mean, I don't know that anybody other than perhaps Tampa Bay, uh, you could say is in that in that conversation, where you'll be shocked if they're not in the Stanley Cup final, uh, but I think if the Jets are able to acquire a top four caliber defenseman, and there are a couple out there, it's no secret. Matthias Ekholm of Nashville, and and possibly David Savard of Columbus, are in play, and I think those are the two guys that are first and foremost on the Jet shopping list. And uh, earlier this week, they were able to do a little bit uh, uh, more uh, maneuvering with their south salary capability i'm going to call it salary capability uh with anton forsberg getting scooped up by ottawa on waivers now they move Comrie onto the taxi squad but he's on a minor league salary so they've saved a little bit on the cap there uh and and that gives them uh along with brian littles ltir enough room uh that uh, they wouldn't have to take a player off the roster uh to uh, uh bring in a guy even even echo him a 3.75 uh they, they'd have room to uh, absorb the whole salary because then one of their young defensemen and you know here's the thing reed uh logan stanley has played so well in the games that he has had the chance to uh, be in the lineup that before it was kind of okay well they'll just send stanley to the taxi squad uh, to clear off his salary but that would be a tough, tough decision now uh, to just arbitrarily remove him from uh, the, uh, the NHL lineup. So uh, they've gone through the experience. Uh, with having to play without a player in quarantine so it won't be something that they're not totally familiar with and kevin shovel day off usually he keeps his vest pretty you know his cards pretty close to the vest but uh it, while he did not come out during his availability earlier this week and say uh, arbitrarily that uh you know they were going to get this defenseman or that defenseman uh he just said you know we're we're in the business of trying to be the best hockey club we can and we'll we'll certainly look at any and all possibilities so uh, and and brownie's right as much as it pains me to say rob brown is right uh <laughs> because and, and just for those folks listening uh, i was doing the play-by-play in camlips when brownie was tearing up the western hockey league so uh, he and i he and i go back a lot a lot of years and i have nothing but the admiration and respect for the guy but uh, uh he's right the jets need another top four defenseman if they're going to put themselves in the same caliber as Edmonton and Toronto, uh, uh, with respect to trying to get out of this division.
0: How has Dubois played? I mean, I've always thought he's a pretty, pretty exceptional all around player. How does he fit in with Winnipeg?
1: You know, he's had flashes of brilliance read, you know, when it comes to the score sheet, he's already had a couple of three point games, but, I watch him for things other than uh, just uh, assists or goals and what he does down on the defensive end, uh, what he does along the wall. I mean, he's only 22 years old and yet he's already this big, powerful man that very rarely loses one on one puck puck battles his defensive zone awareness is uh really quite remarkable he's exactly what they need and and i think you know if it comes down to a a winnipeg edmonton matchup in the playoffs uh now the jets at least have a fighting chance with those two behemoths in the middle that the oilers have with mcdavid and and dry i think the jets feel comfortable that they can at least go uh mano a mano with them uh you know whether it's shifley or lowry uh or, or Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, Tipper's going to have to be really creative to, you know, to try to get around there if they get into those playoff-style matchups. But, uh, yeah, Pierre-Luc does a lot of the subtle things extremely well. And what everybody has to keep reminding themselves of, uh, and, and I think the, ex, the, the, the level of expectation for this guy, Reed was because who he was traded for. And so automatically you think, okay, you're getting this superstar and why isn't he scoring every other night? Why doesn't he have more points that he has? You know, why isn't he winning every face-off uh, in this sort of thing? Uh, because he was traded for Patrick Lyonnais. But the the bottom line is he, he has the kind of a complete game that I think is going to show up more and more as the second half progresses. And if the Jets are able to make the playoffs, and they're certainly well-positioned to do so. Then I think you'll see even more of his game come to the fore.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to another one uh, tomorrow night between these these two teams. And uh, and you're right, could be on a collision course for a, a first round playoff matchup as well. Though I know they're trying to uh, to track down Toronto for first place. Kelly, this is awesome to have you on the show. Maybe we'll get you and Rob on the air together at the same time some night, and you can just tell WHL stories. That'd be fun. But thanks for checking in.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, listen, I tell you what, if it comes t- down to uh, trash talking brownie will kill me like he used to kill those Kelowna and new westminster defensemen i am not even going to try to keep up with that guy
0: <laughs> okay probably good thinking kelly kelly boer from cgob in winnipeg checking in tonight he's enjoying the series between the jets and the oilers that will resume tomorrow night uh, you may hard uh, find this hard to believe i i goofed up the oil kings game already started it started at six not seven and the oil kings are looking good up two nothing on red deer after the first period dylan gunther has scored again his seventh of the season josh williams also has a goal gunther has an assist on that one it was the uh, second of the season for williams so two nothing oil kings leading the rebels that is after the first period we'll catch up on some of your texts here you can call in on the Teed hotline 780-496-0063 Zach Cassian back in action, looking pretty good for your Edmonton Oilers, who will take on the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night. Uh, Dirk in Cochran, who I enjoy hearing from. He says, hi, Reed, Does Jesse Pugliarvi's play add a dimension that allows the Oilers to possibly focus on getting a top five goalie? Also knowing that Yamamoto seems to be developing nicely. I like the smith costin duo, but... Are we a contender without a top five goalie? Dirk, I'm going to tell you something. I do not think the Oilers are getting a goaltender of that caliber before the end of this season. I think the teams that have a goalie of that caliber are keeping him at all costs because they're probably going to the playoffs and are thinking they can win the Stanley Cup. I think in the offseason, who knows? Smith's contract is up. Do you bring him back for another year? What do you do with Koskinen? What's going to happen with Alex Stalock? I know there's a lot of talk about trying to get somebody from Columbus, maybe Elvis Merzlikens, 26-year-old goaltender who has been decent in limited appearances in the National Hockey League, but he has played pro in Europe. So I do not see a trade for a goaltender. I think the Smith-Coskinen duo will be the duo. Maybe we see Alex Stalock. That is still a pretty big maybe. Dave Tippett talked about him the other day that he's just getting to the point where he can start skating with the team. And obviously, he uh, you know he had myocarditis, which is a heart issue. Same thing that uh, kept Mark Latesto out of most of last season. So we'll see. I I, I would I mean, you, look, you you don't acquire players, especially one like ones like Staylock, who have had pretty good segments to their NHL careers, and think that he's just a security blanket, especially when he has a contract next year. So I, I would think if they can get Staylock into a game if he's healthy, if he feels good, if it's the appropriate opponent at an appropriate time, he will play. But I think it is going to be the Smith Koskinen duo. Now, Dirk, you also say you also say in there, are we a contender without a top five goalie? Remember this, and I know things can change, and I know uh, I, you know if you're a sports fan, you're worried if your guy can keep it up. I get it. But this year, Mike Smith is—he's uh, not that far off being a top five goalie. Quite frankly, you know, like let's let's consider this: the, the goalies who have played enough games to qualify for the stat. He got Mark Andre Fleury with a 9.33 save percentage. He got Vasilevsky at 9.32. You got Kockanen with Minnesota at 927. You got Grubauer at 925, save percentage. You got Calvin Peterson at a 922. You got Hawak at a 921. You got Mike Smith at 920. I mean, maybe he's not top five, but he's certainly top 10. Is he going to keep it up? That's the question, but I think you got to give him credit for what he's been able to do so far this season. So no, I, I don't. I don't see the Oilers' uh, goaltending tandem changing this season unless somehow Staylock pushes his way into the conversation. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.